Hi, my name is Lynn McTaggart. Welcome to my podcast, Living the New Science. In these podcasts, I'm covering some extraordinary discoveries by frontier scientists and why this changes everything we think about how our world works and also how we should live our lives. It also gives you a full understanding of why the world out there is mutable and can be affected by your thoughts. Today, I want to tell you about some gee whiz science that will definitely change everything you think about your own biology. One of the greatest mysteries of biology is how we and every other living thing take geometric shape. Modern scientists mostly understand how we have blue eyes or grow to six foot one or even how cells divide. What is far more elusive is the manner by which these cells know exactly where to place themselves in each stage of the building process, so that an arm becomes an arm rather than a leg, as well as the very mechanism which gets these cells to organize and assemble themselves together into something resembling a three-dimensional human form. The usual scientific explanation has to do with the chemical interactions between molecules and with DNA, the coiled double helix of genetic coding that holds a blueprint of the body's protein and amino acids. Each DNA helix or chromosome and the identical 26 pairs exist in every one of the thousand million million cells in your body contains a long chain of nucleotides, or bases, of four different components arranged in a unique order in every human body. The most favored idea is that there exists a genetic program of genes operating collectively to determine shape. In the view of neo-Darwinics, such as Richard Dawkins, Ruthless genes, like Chicago thugs, have powers to create form, and that we are survival machines, robot vehicles, blindly programmed to preserve these selfish molecules known as genes. This theory promotes DNA as the renaissance man of the human body, the architect, master builder, and central engine room whose tools for all this amazing activity is a handful of the chemicals which make proteins. The modern scientific view is that DNA somehow manages to build the body and spearhead all its dynamic activities just by selectively turning off and on certain segments or genes, whose nucleotides or genetic instructions, select certain RNA modules, which in turn select from a large alphabet of amino acids the genetic words which create specific proteins. These proteins supposedly are able to both build the body and switch on and off all the chemical processes inside the cell, which ultimately control the running of the body. If all these genes are working together like some unimaginably big orchestra, who or what is the conductor? 
What is the feedback mechanism which enables it to synchronize the activities of individual genes and cells to carry out systems in unison? And what is the chemical or genetic process that tells certain cells to grow into a hand and not a foot? And which cell processes happen at which time? And if all these processes are due to simple chemical collision between molecules, how can it work anywhere near rapidly enough to account for the coherent behaviors that live beings exhibit every minute of their lives? At the moment, scientists like Richard Dawkins simply shrug their shoulders as to how this might be accomplished and at such rapid speed saying that it will take many decades to understand how a single fertilized egg turns into a baby. One possible answer has come from the quantum holography model by German mathematician Walter Schimp, British physicist Peter Marser, and the late astronaut Edgar Mitchell. The three developed a mathematical model to explain how DNA encodes shape and self-organization. Their work suggests that DNA is an oscillating medium, like a radio station, which sends and receives all sorts of genetic information via waves. This represents a radical new way of looking at the way DNA guides the formation of any organism. According to Shemp and Marser, each base pair of nucleotides containing the genetic instructions A, C, G, or T encodes a diffraction pattern, an image of the wave containing patterns of shape at that particular moment, which is the information necessary to define the organism's shape at each stage of a development. As they write, Think of human DNA as a stack of millions of CDs with information on them sufficient to generate you. Each base pair bond provides a carrier wave for data in three dimensions and takes the form of an encoding-decoding process, much as a magnetic Resonance imaging, or MRI machine, takes a picture of human tissue at one-second intervals and then builds them up into a moving image. In this model, genes have a holographic history of the organism's development, a sort of 3D biography from the moment of conception. Your body as an infant is essentially an empty vessel in, into which wave information from your parents is passed on. Then, as you grow, your chromosomes slowly build up data through the 3D information carried and stored as waves. According to Marser's mathematical mapping, the chromosomes actually produce laser-like beams containing information connecting the chromosomes of the separate cells of an organism into a holistic continuum. Nucleotides radiate certain instructions to various parts of the body, and those cells that are affected then resonate to the same frequency and pick up the signal. Shemp and Marser 
provided impeccable calculations and introduced a holographic model. But their ideas remained a mathematical map, as divorced from the flesh and sinew of a human body as a roadmap of lines on a grid is from the actual terrain. Nevertheless, at the time they were working on their model, Peter Garyev, a molecular biologist at Moscow's Institute of Control Sciences, Russian Academy of Sciences, and his colleague, George Tertishny, a theoretical laser physicist, gave these theoretical equations shape with hard experimental data. Through a series of ingenious experiments, Garyev's team demonstrated that chromosomes emit radiation or wave energy that can be picked up at the furthest reaches of the organism. They also demonstrated that DNA appears able to transform one type of frequency to another to send out information. In one of the first of the experiments, the Russian scientists bombarded DNA preparations in a test tube with a laser beam. To their amazement, the DNA more or less simultaneously converted the beam into a radio frequency or sound wave. After receiving this information, the DNA molecules began to polarize, which means to march in step, and like a miniature transducer, instantaneously converted these radio waves into its own lower frequency to transmit instructions. This suggests that DNA is a type of resonating cavity that is not only able to read these data, but is also capable of converting this information into a form that can be sent out to other genes around the body. Garyev and his colleagues collaborated with Peter Marser to write a paper pronouncing this as a new discovery about quantum non-locality, that spooky action at a distance described by Einstein. Within this system, the zero-point field emissions of wave information about objects can be recorded and stored. It's both a brand new type of radio wave and a unique storage device that could directly record the dynamic behavior of objects, much as a laser beam in a hologram can encode 3D information. In a sense, the double helix is both the body's recording studio and its radio station. We've always known that the double helix of DNA is constantly gyrating. Garyev and his colleagues claim this gyration might be a transmitting device, a type of gymnomic radar at the quantum level. What has always been thought of as a random motion is the movement of a radar search-and-receive device picking up and sending out signals and possibly the means by which the human body is able to read the whole. Garyev and his colleagues did a study with the seeds of mouse ear cress, a small plant of the mustard family, a favorite of genome projects, taken from Chernobyl at the time of the nuclear accident in 1987. 
These seeds were certain to be dead, killed off in a wintry bath of nuclear radiation. After obtaining some ordinary seeds of the plant, the Russian team then exposed these live seeds to a laser beam. The same beam was then shown onto the Chernobyl seeds. What happened next was nothing short of a miracle. Within a few days, the Chernobyl seeds sprouted and to all intents and purposes were normal. In another experiment, using artificially produced DNA radiation, the Russians have dramatically accelerated plant growth. In a study of potatoes overexposed to highly ramped up DNA radiation, they were able to produce a Frankenstein plant in fast forward with potatoes growing one centimeter per day. The radiation also dramatically altered the way they grew. The tubers were produced not on roots, but on stalks. Both this experiment and the more dramatic resuscitation of the dead Chernobyl seeds used radiation as a control. Radio waves without DNA information produced no response in any of the seeds. In their experiments, Garyev and his team realized that they had uncovered more than simply the key to DNA. What they discovered was a new type of memory in the universe. Their work has revealed a novel, static storage recording environment capable of recording the 3D shape and dynamic behavior of objects, as well as a new type of radio signal enclosing information. Garyev's discovery, however unorthodox it sounds, satisfies many unanswered questions about DNA. The radio station model creates the perfect feedback mechanism. As DNA would pick up information from cells, say during an injury, and beam back modifications, for instance, instructions on how to heal. It also allows for 3D imaging, which would explain how your cells know which cell gets placed where, and how billions of cells know about each other and coordinate their functions. These messages can occur simultaneously on the quantum level, without the time lag of cause and effect, and would better account for how our bodies do things instantaneously, far faster than would be possible through chemical messages. Even the fastest form of known communication in classical physics, the speed of light, doesn't account for the body's ability to simultaneously and in perfect synchrony react to stimuli. The involvement of waves in creating shape or dealing with dynamic processes in the organism involving many parts of the body is plausible because waves, of course, are capable of recording an infinite amount of information in 3D. Radiation is the means by which cells are in communication with each other. So with that, if something goes awry, the cells receive a quantum holographic image of that part and immediately set to work to restore the body to its original blueprint. This information is read by the chromosome's own laser radiations, which in turn produce radio emissions to regulate the rest of the body as a result of this information.
DNA also works in a feedback loop with information from the outside. Peter Marser and Walter Shimp showed, via mathematical models, that primitive cells don't simply replicate, but also co-resonate with outside influences and learn, adapt, and change by picking up outside frequencies. These basic cells recognize and select the chemical molecules required and block out any information they need to avoid to survive. A good example of this are superbugs. Bacteria quickly learn to block antibiotics. According to classical theory, this occurs through random mutations. But that would take far too long. It's more likely that a superbug learns to reduce its intake of antibiotics by blocking out the drug signal. Garyev's model provides a better explanation than the current thinking for how life evolved on the planet. Rather than a system of fortunate and progressive but random error, if DNA is a radar device and its messages are sent in waves, this would suggest a mechanism that develops through learning via its own exquisite feedback loop and by comparison, as it retains old information that is constantly compared with new data. The WAVE model also accounts for the body's capacity for regeneration. Numerous animal species have the ability to regenerate a lost limb. Experiments with salamanders in the 1930s have shown that an entire limb could be amputated, yet entirely regenerate, as though following a blueprint. This genetic blueprint might also account for phantom limbs, the strong sense among amputees that a missing limb is still present. Amputees complaining of cramps, aches, or tingling in the missing arm or leg may be experiencing true physicality, a shadow of the limb, as imprinted in the field. Indeed, during Garyev's experiment with Chernobyl seeds, once he had removed DNA material from the laser, he'd assumed the beam would return to a random pattern of photons. Instead, he found a coherent patterning that was not exactly the DNA, but something else, a phantom pattern of it, which persisted for a time before disappearing. After many decades, Garyev's work is beginning to be appreciated in the West, although it hasn't taken hold yet in the mainstream. By 2000, Garyev had published two books and 60 papers on wave genomics, but had never presented his work outside of Russia. Finally, in October of that year, he was allowed to travel giving him an opportunity to present his work to the West, which is where I first met him. In a small wood-paneled room, some 50 mathematicians and brain researchers at the annual symposium of the Institution of Analysts and Programmers in London listened as this short, barrel-chested man phonetically read the paper that had been co-authored by Peter Marser. At the end, all but a handful of geneticists who appreciated the giant implications of his findings clapped politely and sat in uneasy silence, uncertain of how to react. Then in 2005, Garyev wrote an open letter, which was translated into English. 
He decried many of the current experiments in genetic engineering as creating dangerous hybrid foodstuffs because scientists carrying them out did not understand the actual foundational principles or inner workings of genetic codes. Far from being junk DNA, as scientists believe 98% of DNA is, the information that people have been seeking from DNA is contained in that junk DNA. In fact, he says, the foundational principle of these genetic languages is similar to the language of holographic images, as well as texts constructed from human speech. We have experimented broadly with both the physical processes and mathematical descriptions of these genetically guided informational functions, he went on. We've built sophisticated laboratory equipment and mathematical apparatuses that allow us to accurately model the informational function of the living cell and all of its DNA, including the neuron network. For instance, he says, we've found it possible to regenerate endocrine glands in animals. By the same means, we have significantly curbed the aging process in human cells and even grown new adult human teeth in individuals who had lost them. For years, Garyev was out in the wilderness, unable to get funding in Russia or the West. But more recently, he is now beginning to be recognized for the pioneer that he is. He set up the Institute of Linguistic Wave Genetics and has begun doing more popular talks in the West. Garyev's discovery is revolutionary. But as with many pioneering ideas, a certain caution at this stage is necessary. This technology could enable the creation of Frankenstein foods that bear little resemblance to the real thing. Or, if your DNA data got into the wrong hands, it might be able to serve as the instrument for the perfect murder. But think of all the positive implications. One day we may be able to repair wounds, not with tape and dressings, but with light beams carrying genetic waveforms. And like those Chernobyl seeds, we may even be able to literally raise the dead. More evidence that basic genes are not destiny and that we and our bodies work according to the strange rules of the quantum world. This is Lynn McTaggart helping you to live the new science. Keep listening and I'll continue to give you information and tips each time about how to incorporate this new information into your life. And don't forget, Just once a year, I offer intensive teachings on the keys to successful intention and the Power of Eight during a single year-long Power of Eight masterclass. It's a six-week webinar course, after which I place all the masterclass members in Power of Eight groups to meet for an entire year under my ongoing supervision. You receive four more bonus webinars plus weekly tips, guidance, and monitoring from me. You meet with your intention family regularly via Skype or Zoom and watch the miracles unfold. When we've monitored masterclass members who attend these sessions religiously, 
close to 100% get positive results. This past year, my participants have overcome depression and many other chronic illnesses, had amazing financial windfalls, found dream homes and dream jobs, and much more. So the next Masterclass for 2020 kicks off on February 1st, and our doors are now open for people signing up. To find out more and book your place, go to lynnmctaggart.com and follow the Intention Masterclass link. Thanks so much for listening. Mm -hmm.